For the past decade, our teams have been working incredibly hard to make some big and much needed changes in how we develop leaders while at work. I challenge you to forge your own path in your own leadership evolution. Consider one that makes the lives of people around you and the business better by building more purpose-driven leaders and relationships with your teams. We need to build leaders who truly care about those they see and engage each and every day. We invite you to hear more about our own leadership and cultural journey, and the impactful stories will surely resonate with you and your teams. Welcome to the Built to Lead podcast. I'm Edgar Cabello, one of our leadership directors here at Lippert with a couple of my good friends, uh, one of my colleagues, Mike Brulette, one of our leadership directors. And uh, Mike, it's exciting to have you with us today. Is this your first time? This is my first time. Your first timer. Wow. Okay. I'm excited as well. First time listener, first time caller. Okay. So, <laughs> and also our retiring VP Steve Jenkins is with us today, and this is kind of a special, uh, a special day for us because all season long we've been talking about our leadership and culture playbook. And um, I, I guess we're going to have to add you to the playbook, like just could put Steve Jenkins in there or something like that, and then we'll figure out what that actually means later. But but Steve is probably one of the people, I would say one of the early adopters that began to really embrace the idea of leadership development throughout throughout the company. And I'm telling you what, he's had massive impact, and, and that's why what we're here to. He's, he's on his way to a new season of his life right now, and we're just really excited to kind of get his take on what's been happening at Lippert in these years that he's been serving so faithfully here. So Steve. Steve, welcome. Thank you. Michael, thank you for being here, my friend. Um, we're going to let you get started because you guys have worked pretty closely ever since your time here. Isn't that right? Yeah, I've not been here a long time, two and a quarter years, and two-thirds of that time has been supporting Steve and uh, all of his team members that he serves and comes alongside. So it's been an honor. And I am... I love this guy. Yeah. I, I mean, he has story after story after story of <laughs> We're going to hear one or two of those today. I'd like to hear one or, one or two of those. But yeah. Steve, 23 years uh, this February that you've been with the company, you came out of the education space, didn't you? I wondered if you couldn't just tell us a little bit about maybe where you came from educationally and then old Lipper, new Lipper. We've gone through a cultural transition over the last dozen years, and you've been a champion of that. So just wanted to... to know what you're going through thinking uh, as you transition into your next season. Sure. 23, 23 years, and before that, I was a, a high school math teacher. Um, went to college to be an engineer, and then I had a really cool professor. He was a math, math, mathematician, and uh, I made a career change. Um, said, hey, I want to do that and uh, teach kids. And I dual majored in mathematics and then uh, physical education because mm -hmm. I was going to coach. And so I, I taught and coached for, you know, 13 and a half years in Washington County, Maryland. And I'm, I'm so happy that I got that experience because basically that's what I do is, you know, I kind of coach people. I bring them along. I try to motivate them sometimes to do things they don't want to do. Like a 16-year-old kid doesn't want to do their algebra homework or come to wrestling practice. So you're, you're thinking about what do, what do I got to do to get this person to, to – you know, we got to get these um, these jobs accomplished, but we want to have fun. We want to treat people well. Mm -hmm. You know, we want them to respect each other. So the education part, I thought, really helped me. And before, you know, we, we were talking in here that I, you know, have hired a lot of teachers. I think teachers make great business people, you know, mm -hmm. in, in manufacturing. So the company I joined is not the company that we're in right now. <laughs> Trust me, um, <laughs> it was whatever it takes to get the job done, yeah. uh, and it was it was very stressful. Leadership at the time it was M MIT or manager in training. 
we dog people. We would hire 10 MITs to get one, one or two to stick. I remember the first day when I joined the team, was I felt like I was in boot camp. Mm. I literally thought, what did I just do? <laughs> you know, I did that for three months, and then uh, I, I got transported to uh, – Pendleton, Oregon, you know, that was my first assignment. <laughs> so, it sounds so, like a prison sentence. <laughs> it was transferred to Pendleton. It, it was, uh, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> but um, it was, it was quite an experience back then. But I could see this company, like there was such, it was raw. Yeah. It was, people were young. I mean, I was the oldest guy in the company, I felt like. Hmm. You know, everybody was in their early, mid to early 20s. And they were just running and gunning, and um, I just thought, you know, holy cow, what what did I get into? But I could temper that a little bit, and with some of my maturity, you know, at the time I was in my late thirties, uh, I could bring. I I felt like I could bring people along. Sure, so it, it worked. Well, let's let's grab that for just a minute. You you talked about uh, transitioning in. Number one, what possessed you to leave education to be part? of Lippert, and then number two, did you come in as a MIT, a leader in training? Yes. Money was what brought me in. <laughs> if, if you've never lived on a teacher's side. Yeah, I hear you. That's uh, right. So, you know, my wife actually worked for Lippert. Um, that's how I got to know the organization and the company and met Jason Lippert, Jason Falk, uh, Chuck Bell, met a lot of those folks um, because she was working at our plant in uh, Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, which is no longer you know there, but she worked there for about three years. Got to know some of those guys, and you know, from the outside, I thought I, I could do what they're doing. And mm. you know, again, I had three daughters. I knew they're going to have to go to college. We're going to have to pay you know some bills. Want to get married, and teacher salary is not cutting it. So that's when I made a decision to to join the. Um, MIT program. So how long were you in West Virginia before you loaded up a U-Haul and drove across the country to settle in Pendleton? So I was with the company three months. I, I My last day teaching was February 14th, left in the middle of the school year. Basically, my principal ripped up my teaching certificate right there in front of me and said, you'll never teach again, Maryland. <laughs> so I was jumping off that cliff, came to work at Lippert on, I think it was February 16th, 15th or 16th. And then uh, I was there for three months working on a jig, welding small parts, loading trucks, unloading trucks. And then I got a phone call, and they had an opportunity in Pendleton, Oregon. So I never flown on a plane. Wow. You know, never been west of um, Ohio. Got on a plane the next day uh, by myself and just went out to Pendleton, Oregon and started, you know, Started my journey there. My family stayed in West Virginia until they finished the school year. Steve, what, what was the what was the opportunity for you out there? I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, and I'm also curious about like what was the big learning curve too? As you were going from education to business, like what was the oh my gosh, what have I? You said what have I got myself mm-hmm. into? But like, what was what were some of the difficulties and challenges in the early going? So you know, again, a lot of the leadership, if you want to call it, at the time was very young and immature, and these guys would treat people. You know, mm-hmm. poorly. Um, long hours, long days, long weeks. Uh, didn't have all the tools that we needed and experience of running a business. So they uh, were very, you know, cocky. There was, I, I won't say the gentleman's full name, but his name was Fred. And it just wasn't going well. Yeah. And um, 
I think they talked about forming a union. There was actually a union uh, vote out there. I've heard this story. So I went out there and um, <clears throat> tried to temper that. I came from a union background. My grandfather, and uh, you know, he was he was in the union, teachers' union, for many years. I understood the benefits of it and also how detrimental it can be. Mm-hmm. So took took a you know leap out there and was able to bring people together and just say let's talk about it. even though I, pro- I was probably breaking a lot of rules as far as what you can say in a, in a union shop sure <laughs> but i didn't really care you know i was like <laughs> what are they going to do to me so you know and i just said what what is it that you want that would make you want to form a union and they they gave me a list of their demands and one was that general manager sitting in that office has got to go so ah. the, the, the day i got there this is the day that bread left okay and then uh it's like what else and they you know we just started to hammer those out so that there's a basic principle there isn't it like that that you're coming into this like sight unseen mm-hmm. no idea about what you're going to get yourself into here but listening to the people is is what i'm hearing you talk about yes so give us a little bit more about that like how important was that well obviously you know i'm captain of the ship so first one in last one to leave mm-hmm. um they didn't experience that you know their previous captain was last one in first one to leave mm-hmm. you know he had a softball game to go to or he had to go you know do whatever he had to do so and they were working you know 15 16 hour days six seven days a week so they struggled with that sure. um, they, they aren't going to follow somebody who's not gonna you know put in the effort they didn't have the tools necessary to do their jobs because he was, you know, strangling them uh, with with the, the money aspect. Right. So I was able to, to hey, what do you need? Um, and I was able to, you know, as a as a football coach or a wrestling coach, I knew I had ninety days to put my offense in and put my defense in. Yeah. And then that starts to wane over time. So when I first got there, I'm like, I got these, I got ninety days, and I got to get this right. And uh, I knew in my mind what I wanted, but. I also had to listen and make compromise. Um, there was things that, you know, that's not the most important thing, but if I can lay down a bunt or a single and they see that, you know, we're going to make progress because I'm not swinging for the fences right now. You know, I'm just trying to get them from a 16-hour day to a 12-hour day. Sure. You know, so that was what we really worked on. Brilliant. So you go out there, like, not very experienced, and you're in charge. Yes. Yeah. What a lovely thing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know what an accrual was. My wife, you know, I remember that day she just shook her head and you know, she's like, are you serious? We moved our family to Oregon. You don't even know what an accrual is. Because I had never taken a business class. Yeah. Yeah. I had right. no idea. Yeah. All right. All new. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so tell me, what was it like for your family? Leaving West Virginia, heading out to Oregon. Culture shock. I looked at it as an adventure and, you know, thinking that every move we make is going to make us stronger. Now, reflecting back on that, as I sit with my family at you know Thanksgiving table and we talk about those things, it's like, Dad, you had no idea the stress you put us under. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, at the time, you know, I was busy and um, you know I've raised you know three strong, viable you know females, girls that are you know capable of handling anything. And I thought, you know, this is an adventure, but it it did put a lot of stress on the family. Um, but I mean, we survived. Um, it was an adventure. Like I said, you know, Oregon was beautiful. We just didn't have enough time to really enjoy everything because we were working. And unfortunately, I had to leave my oldest daughter back east. She was in a boarding school, and that was tough. Mm. Her senior year in you know high school, and you know we didn't get to experience all the things that you know. Yeah. So we made some major sacrifices as For a sure. family to do that. For sure. But I knew I had to. I had to do that. 
So when you come in, you said that first 90 days, listening to your people, that was critical. I've joined you on this Lippert journey the last two years of your career. And one of the things that I've always noticed and loved about you, admired about you, Steve, is the fact that relationships are kind of the mode for you towards business success, mm-hmm. making things happen through people. And not, not in a way that where we're using people to get to our agenda, but to really find people who can fill a seat, fill a role, and, and get them in the right spot, pull out the very best in them. Right. But it sounds like that started way back 22 years ago. That was kind of your your mode. Throughout your entire career, was that a common theme that you carried? That people and getting them positioned right, using relationships, did that kind of springboard you into new things? Correct. You know, a lot of people want to come right in and change the processes. They look at processes and, you know, systems, and um, it's a huge mistake. It's always about the people. You know, when those kids walk in the first day from summer break, if I don't get to know them, if I don't know them as human beings, I am not going to connect with them. That year, you know, my first and second year of teaching was bad. I mean, every new teacher struggles. And then you quickly learn, like, I've got to get to know these kids. Maybe that first week is not going to be as productive, but once I get to know them, then they're going to trust me. Yeah. And they're going to do their homework, and they're going to come to class on time. So you have to make that investment. Um, I'm watching it happen right now. We have a new assistant general manager at one of our plants, and his task the first you know 30 days is to learn everybody's name in the plant. That's mm. that's your number one job. Um, go around every day, talk to people, and learn. You know, don't change any processes. Now, if there's a safety concern or something, you know, that's, you know, eminent, we have to take care of that. But right now, that's his job is to get to know the people and the culture. So I think that's remarkable. I I really do. Because that's that, you know, to your, you mentioned a little bit ago that, you know, you're not a business school, college kid, you're an educator. Mm -hmm. And I mean, honestly, like, where do you go? And under what conditions is your first directive? to get to know everybody's name. Right. And yet we've seen that work within our context here at Lippert. And it's, it's, I think it's informed a great deal of growth and, and connection and the development of trust within our, between our leaders and our, and, and our teammates. So I, I think that's actually brilliant. You're probably a little bit ahead of your time, honestly, because I, I think most people have this get-after-it mindset. And, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, we're going to get after it, but not before we know who you are. Yeah. And Edgar, just to, to piggyback that, I experienced this with Steve. Yeah. I experienced week one with Steve. I was one of those eager beavers and said, all right, when do we start these trainings and who do I need to get to? And, yeah. and I'm going to walk. And Steve's like, whoa, 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 hold on. All I need you to do for the first 90 days is learn everybody's name. Yeah. Take a notepad, write names, write an interesting fact about them. Don't forget who your people are. And that was powerful for me. Number one, it gave me permission to kind of inhale and exhale because I was I was ready to go. And it carried me. It carried me and it kind of changed. I've shifted into four different divisions while I've been here in two years. And I hear his voice in the back of my head every time I go into a new place, get to know the people, take a deep breath, it'll be okay. Um, so th- th- to actually feel that teaching and that coaching it's been powerful for me, Steve. So I want to thank you for that, number one. And, and I just wonder how many other people you've kind of given that advice to. I would imagine dozens upon dozens upon dozens. True or false? True. Yeah. So now, I used to do it a different way in the old school way. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I want to hear your old approach as opposed to your new approach. All right. Plant 19, Goshen, first week, I got my family's minivan. They've been working seven days a week. I could see the stress on people's face, so I bought a keg of beer. (laughs) 
after we were done, pulled the minivan up, flung the hatch open, and we drank beer in the parking lot. Nothing, nothing says tailgate like a minivan and a keg. <laughs> no, yeah. Would never do that today. Of course not. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was when, because they didn't know who I was. Well, of course, um, you drive a pickup now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who is this guy? But it was, you know, and, they, and some of those guys still talk about that. Like, I remember, like, we we had a rough go, and uh, you rolled in, and we, we had a, round, we had a couple beers right there in the parking lot. Um, you didn't take us away from our family. They didn't, like, hey, we got to go off campus and do this yeah. and that. Because, you know, their time was valuable. But just having a couple beers in the parking lot and – I, I want to note cool. some, I want to note something here. I, I remember when I first told you about Mike that like we, we think he's a good guy for you. <laughs> and you're laughing oh. because you probably remember your reaction. Yeah. You're like, okay, here Were we you go there? again. Right? Were you there? I, I I was one of the first ones to talk to you about, about no. Mike jumping on, yeah. no, on with yeah. your team. Were I you at Wings? We were at Plant 45 um in uh. Reese's office, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so we got to talking about it, and I could just tell. Like, all right, here we go again. Because we've had a lot of those here we go again yeah. types of things. And, and the reason I mention that is not so much about that moment, but it's more about, like, your guys' working relationship. And one of the cool things, you know, that we've done at Lippert is we've put leadership directors in each division. And and I've learned, and Mike, I think you've learned this along the way, is that that synchronicity between the leadership director and the VP mm-hmm. is vitally important. And so I'm kind of curious to get your take on it and maybe yours as well, Mike, like that's a really important position to help us establish the culture. Could you speak to that for a minute? Originally going back to the the very beginning was Mike Gardy. Sure. And um, he, he started at 45 and I remember some of the first exercises we did and um, you know, writing my obituary, um, <laughs> Right, I wrote a biography or an autobiography. Um, I spent a week on that, you know, wow. in the evenings, and you know, he was challenging me to do things that you know I had never done at work. And then you know, there was guys in the in the plant, you know, with me under me that they weren't buying into it, but you know, I was always pushing them because um, this was new. You know, we're, we're bringing in somebody who's, you know, he's not produ- producing anything. You know, he's not. And value the bottom line. Why is he here? What's he doing? So it was a cultural shift. Yeah. It, and it was the three pillars. It was the uh, safety, lean, and leadership at the time. So, you know, I embraced that. And then from there on, it was, you know, I could feel that, you know, it. this is changing our culture. This is really changing our culture and, and our mindset of why are we here? And, you know, we didn't have the core values on the, on the wall yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at Plant 45, we established our values. Mm-hmm. You know, we even had a plant mascot. It was, uh, I remember at the time, it was a honey badger. Okay. <laughs> Do you still see those shirts with the honey badger? I haven't seen one lately. <laughs> Kelly's over there saying, yeah, she's seen it a few here and there. <laughs> it, well, you know, we adopted the honey badger because this is the badass animal on the planet. I mean, it gets bit by a cobra, falls over, gets back up, and then it eats the cobra. You know? So I was like, you know. <laughs> I did not know that about oh, yeah. honey badger. I, I've never heard about the honey badger before. <laughs> oh yeah, we were, we, and that was our plant mascot. You know, we 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 were we were going to beat everybody. Yeah. We were going to dominate, and um, yeah, we um, we established that culture. But then you had Mike coming in, and he was kind of like, okay, we're going to take care of ourselves. And you know, we had got Christine Holland, who's not with us anymore. We had a couple other people that we added to the team to to soften. You know, soften us a little bit and say, "Hey, take time. Let's listen. Let's learn." And um, it was a great journey. So, yeah. So fast, fast forward to Mike here to my right is, 
you know, I had a procession of leadership. So it seemed yeah. like every year, you, you know, here's your new leadership guy. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah we know, spent about a year or two together, I think. <laughs> so, you know, that's the whirlwind that you met me in. That was coming, was coming from that. Yeah, like, yeah. here we go yeah, again. Absolutely. Sure. <clears throat> you know, I just got to know somebody and now I'm, it's changing yeah. again. So. This episode of Lippert Built to Lead podcast is brought to you by the Lippert Academy for Leadership, the team committed to enhancing your organization's leadership and cultural goals with strategic leadership development programs, on-site training, executive coaching, speaking engagement, and customized solutions. Find out how to get your organization involved at www.lci1.com backslash academy. Or send us a message at academy at lci1.com. That's academy at lci1.com. I, I want to dial back just a minute. I know you just went fast forward. Now I'm mm-hmm. going like, to speed back a little okay. bit. So, what was so Mike joins a team, you're at Plant 45. Raising up a bunch of honey badgers, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so what's the word on the street about leadership and culture and all that kind of stuff we're trying to introduce? What are people? You said there are a lot of people just didn't buy in. What were they saying? You know, obviously there's trust because um, you know I'm Catholic by faith. So if I go into the room with you, mm-hmm. um, this is a confessional box. So what I'm telling you is mm-hmm. sacred. Yep. And if that is ever broken, then that trust goes away. Wow. So people had to develop that, like, hey, when we have a one-on-one and I'm talking, I'm vulnerable, and I'm telling you things that, you know, a, a man doesn't want to really talk about, that that puts you in a vulnerable spot. So you, it takes a, a while to develop that trust. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're brought up that way. Yeah, risky, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, it, and, and, you know, and then, you know, when you get into the group sessions and then you get into the, the actual training, um, it just, it took time. Yeah. Because people didn't quite understand why is he here and what are we doing? Never done this before. Yeah. yeah. Right. Odd kind of environment. So Steve, why didn't you collapse under the pressure of uh what's all this about anyway? You were a champion when we were trying to 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 shift the culture here and you could have easily said, Yeah, it's not making a lot of sense right now. Let's mm-hmm. just get back to work. Uh, yeah, it could it could have been easy to do that. But I, I felt like, hey, we've we've invested, you know, some some money and time into this. And uh, obviously, Jason Lippert, um, it was a passion of his. You could tell that, and this is coming from, you know, the top. It's not like a directive from HR, sorry, HR, uh, <laughs> that, hey, we got to do this, and but you just do it. And, you know, it, it was coming from Jason in his heart that, you know, we mean this. And, again, it was the three pillars. It was the safety, lean, and, and then the leadership. Yeah. So those were the transformational. And, and there was a book that, you know, I had to read. I'm not a reader by, by nature, but it was, um, you know, the advantage. And it talked about those different things in, in, in businesses that set them apart and, you know, those things that, you know, the ops and the management and the cultural and how they unify. And that that leadership was the cultural end of it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we're going to give this a shot. So yeah. You also mentioned that you saw some some you, you saw some early signs that this is working. Mm-hmm. Like what what were some of those things that were that helped convince you along the way that this is like we're onto something here? Obviously, people come to work for a paycheck, but they also they spend more time at work than they do with their family. So basically, it's their primary, if they, you know, want to call it that, their primary family. Mm-hmm. So as we did these um, trainings and we talked about things and. We started to, you know, lead by respect and not by fear. Things that started to change were, you know, like 
our retention rates yeah. started to change. Yeah. We started to form some committees. We were doing a lot more activities together. I mean, you could just see people wanted to, to spend quality time um, and it wasn't just a, a race to get out of there. So, you know, company picnics. I mean, it was just a lot of things. We, we had the very first big picnics. You know, we went we rented Oxbow. It, it was insane. Yeah. You know? They have laws there now against pinatas. <laughs> <laughs> Our plant 45 initial and, picnic. They and, do have a sign. It's like zero pinatas and allowed. why would bar. that be? Give us some insight. Why would they not be pinatas? I want to hear why. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but if you give 50 Hispanic kids a stick and 20 pinatas, you, all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> and that's what happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it broke loose. I remember huh? Josh Roan. He was my assistant general manager, and he walked up to me at the end of that day, and he goes, that was the most stressful day of my life because he was in charge of the pinata <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't have a process. That was his problem. I, was like, I told him, I said, you should have had an SOP, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> SOP on pinatas. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's great. Yeah, that is, that's fantastic, Steve. You know, and, and so, so now let's fast forward mm-hmm. to like just what you've seen develop in terms of that relationship between the leadership director, the VP. I, I know in the division I serve, it's, it's vitally important for us, but I, I'd love to hear, hear your angle on that. So, I mean, you have to intentionally put those folks in your hallway around you. So if I have an office, if I'm a general manager or a vice president, but, you know, if I'm the general manager, I want my safety, I want my quality, and I want my leadership guy right there in the hallway. So you, it's, it's, you're positioning those folks because they're in the know. You're having your production meetings. They should be, if they have the time, they should be part of some of those. They're listening to those conversations. They're watching people, how they interact, the verbal and nonverbal communications that are going on. It's critical that uh, HR, uh, all these folks sure. are part of that. It's not just the ops guys. Yeah, yeah. You know? right. I, and, and, and we've yeah. seen that. Like, I mean, I, just yesterday evening, late in the day, you know, I'm, I'm calling our HR director about something that I had heard that I was concerned about. Mm-hmm. And so I go directly there. And so like building that core team around you with with your leadership team, that's almost standard in our company now. And I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, that I remember when I came on board almost five years ago, I was at a real disadvantage knowing absolutely nothing like your day one. Like that's where I was at day one, too. Didn't come from manufacturing, came from the nonprofit world, had no clue what was going on. But 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 as we've learned the business, it's it's helped us establish some credibility. However, the fact that we have a different set of eyes, I think, is still a benefit to this company mm-hmm. because we're not like manufacturing blue bloods. Like we we still provide some eyes and some awarenesses, I think, that help give us a different dynamic when we're developing our teams. And so, I don't, Mike, I'm I'm curious about your yeah. take on that too. So I would agree. And one of the things that that I appreciate with Steve is he's always receptive to that. Right. Give me the feedback. Yep. Hey, we're hiring a key position, Mike. You want to sit in on this hiring? Those kind of things. He's looking for his support. Direct Directors to really add value, put some flavor on it, some add that color. And so for me, that's I love to be in the business. I love the ops angle. Yeah. Um, I spent some time in ops, so that's really kind of charged me up towards ops. But I, I do love that I'm not fully engrossed. And as you said, Edgar, a blue blood. Yeah. Because it does give us that perspective to yeah. be able to say, 
I hear you. I understand you. Have you considered? Right. Have you thought about? Totally. Uh, and, and, and I would say that that's one of the great things that we've seen about you, Steve, in, in your leadership. I remember the first time I had to offer some feedback about you. I was a little nervous about that. Like, well, I'm talking to the VP right now. And and I remember how receptive you were. And you were like, I, I need to know more about what you wrote down on this feedback thing. And so that's what helped me start to get acclimated to the company. I mean, I would say all the way to the top, we have leaders that really want to know how they're doing. And, and not just from the person they report to, but for the people that have to live in their world. So I'm, I'm curious, like that whole feedback loop that we've seen become more important throughout the growth of the company, like uh, what, what are your thoughts about that? If you are comfortable in your own skin and you um – you know, you know, in your heart, you're trying to be the best leader. Why wouldn't you listen to that or accept that? And I think um, there's some rules that I've given my uh, younger managers. There's things, pitfalls in life. Big one is ego. You know, I always had edging got out, ego, edging got out. But the ego part doesn't allow people to accept that or even want to hear it. Right. So, again, I've seen so many young leaders or managers that uh, just can't let that go. And, yeah. and they tend to not succeed. So, Yeah, it's vitally important. Yeah, and we've got five phenomenal leader qualities that we live by here. And the one, humble coachable. Yeah. It's critical, mm-hmm. and Steve models it. He definitely and, and that's the beautiful thing is to see him actually live that out. And I've had an opportunity to have that conversation with him too, and he's all eyes. And he's, yeah, I can see that in me. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Want to keep going, and you got to love that a coach. Oh my, word. you know, l- literally a guy who came out as an educator and a coach into the into his professional life, who is who models coachability, who listens well to his team all the way back to Pendleton, yep. who kind of again, I, you know, I think one of the things I really appreciate and what I say about you oftentimes in the company, I was just like, this is one of the early pioneers. Steve was one of the guys that really helped pave the way for us to come along and do the work that we're currently doing right now. And I, I tell folks like. Like today is better than day one. I couldn't believe when I got hired in at Lippert to do the kind of work that we get to do. It was like, you're kidding me. They pay people to do stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And I'll just tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel like, man, I have had a really cool opportunity to impact somebody's life. It's unreal and almost unheard of. So you've really helped us get to a place as a company that I don't know. I I don't know if that was in view, like when you started with Michael back at Plant 45 and people were just a little unsure about things. Yeah, I mean... At that time, I had no idea which direction we were really headed, but I think the journey has been phenomenal. Um, Byron, a friend of mine who works with Lippert, how you doing, Byron? He's, you know, he he would always mention to me, he's like, we're maturing. Is it every, you know, certain days of the week, he would look at me and go, we're maturing as a company because um, we would do certain yeah. things, and and I could just feel that evolution happening. So. Yeah, yeah. That is that is such a. A wonderful phrase to hear as we're talking about a, a cultural journey and leadership development. We're tagging the word maturity to that. Right on. How fun is that to yeah. think about? Oh, it's. I mean, it's extremely rewarding. You know, yeah. it makes me wonder. Then, Steve, as you look in the rear view now, because at this point, what twenty? How many years in? Twenty-two. Twenty-two years. You're you're looking at a major shift in in your path right now as you move forward into the next season of your life. But but as you look into the rear view in ter- in terms of your time at Lipper, like what are what are a few things that you're like really proud of, or that make you laugh a little bit? <laughs> I'm sorry, we instantly started going down that path. But no, I'm really proud of the team. I think the teams we've built. You know, we do a lot. We build a lot of stuff. I mean, we ship at the end of the day. Sometimes I just sit there and like, holy cow, we just shipped eighteen thousand windows today. You know, yeah. 
Right. It's insane. So, yeah. But the team, it's the team that that did that, and I'm so proud of all of these teams. And you know, every I I love when I can go to a pl- a, a plant that I used to be at, and I can walk down, and I can say, you know. I have like my stamp is on that. Right now, people may not remember that, and that's sure. I'm not looking for for that. But I I can walk by and kind of smile and say, yeah, I had a hand in that. Right on. So. I love that. I love that. How many how many things have, in a negative light have you ever heard about Steve Jenkins? <clears throat> I can't even count on none on that one I can hand. talk about right yeah. now. But um, <laughs> uh, no, but to don't, your point, I don't, never. Yeah, I, I not, mean, not a one. I to ran be into somebody at, the, at yeah. Martin Supermarket this morning, and. Literally, I, I said something about Steve, and he's like, "Oh, you're in the windows division with Steve. You got the best love right that there. Guy. That's what love I love that guy. Yeah, all I, the I time. That. And and one of the things that I think sets you apart, Steve, you talked about the first 90 days out in Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Like that's critically important with your kids when you're coaching your kids, making that immediate impact. He came over to the windows division this time last year. And the first 90 days, he's in as many production meetings as possible. And one of the things um, that's worth noting is while you are so coachable, you're such a good coach, too. And, and I don't know that that always happens. You might have some really good coaches that are a little more egotistical and won't take that. And you might have some that I can re- receive, but I don't give quite as well. He is the beautiful blend of that, yeah. always pulling people together always getting the right people in the right room, always asking questions. To have a VP come into a room full of frontline leads, sometimes team members, it, they're not always received like, Steve, all right, Jenks here. Mm. It's not always like that. It's more like, the boss is here. Yeah. Button up. Yeah. That's not the case with Steve. Nah. Personable, right. in the trenches, saying, whatever you're going to do, I'm willing to do myself. Yeah. And it speaks volumes to his style of leadership. And you never know when he's going to show up with a keg of beer. So, <laughs> there, so there's that. In the minivan. <laughs> in the minivan. So I, I guess we're going to start to wind things up here a little bit, Steve. So uh, I, I guess I got a, just a you know a couple closing questions. Mike, feel free to, sure. to interject here. But like I, I guess... What what advice would you give the rest of us? You know the the ones that that you're in, in a sense. I mean, we're going to still see in stuff from time to time. But like in, in a sense, you're saying goodbye to this season of your life. Like, what's the advice to the rest of us that remain at Lipper? The work that we're doing, the journey that we're on. Like, what what would you tell us to kind of help us move, keep moving? To me, it's it's about people and and continue to look for great talent and uh, bring them. You know, bring them on board first, and then get them in the right spot. But you have to keep developing um, talent. You know, I I wish this last year we could have brought a few more LITs on board. We just I don't think we were mature enough at the Windows Division. But I know at forty five I was always trying to onboard. You know, it was it was nothing to have four or five six LITs. And it's not just who's the next general manager, next VP, but we have a lot of different roles in this company. For sure. So we've got to bring leaders in, um, get them through um, the training show them our culture, and then get them in the right spot so they can effectively change what we're doing every day. So. And, and talk about the maturing and the evolution of, you know, I, I know you guys have had some LITs this year. I, in our division, we had 
10 that we've placed already. Mm -hmm. we, we didn't weed them out, and, le and there wasn't just one left standing. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we successfully saw them all through a program. Program's different than what it used to be yes. back then also. And, and they've all been placed, and we actually have three more in. Like, we'll finish the year with 13 LITs this wow. year. And, and so it's, it's pretty powerful. Some of the things that you had an early say in are, are really you know, still having a dynamic impact. Definitely, you left your fingerprints on that program, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. And Steve just recently had taken nine of our Windows leads through what we were calling a high-potential, high-performance training series on lead self, lead team, lead business. So I asked Steve, could you kind of be a, a guest speaker and give us a talk? The talk was centered on, the message of the talk was all about learning how to never say no. Wow. Don't take no for an answer. And it was powerful for our young leads to hear this. And Steve, you, you did admit that sometimes early saying no ruffled a few feathers. Mm -hmm. I've gotten more tactical and, and, and uh, better with that over the years. But our leads, their takeaway, two things. Build great relationships yeah. and use every experience you have. Doesn't matter if you've been here for six months, six years, 16 years. You've built some experiences. Tap into your experiences and the people you know and position yourself accordingly. Look, look what I wrote in my notes right here. I just want you to look at that. What did I put? Say yes. Saying yes. <laughs> Saying yes. Because like you modeled that. Like yeah. when you went to Pendleton and you've been doing that ever since, man. And like it, we've all we've all benefited from the path that you've that you've cleared for us and from for the demonstration of leadership that you've brought to the company. And to a lot of individuals, man, and, and we're just we're just ever so grateful for that. We we didn't even get into talking about the blues or or of one of our common interests, you know, being pathetic Baltimore Orioles fans. We we haven't talked about any of that today, and I don't know that we're going to have time. But like, the, you know, these are the kinds of conversations that we've had along the way, man. And it's just been special. We're just so just so grateful, Steve, for everything that not just that you've done, but really who you are as a person, man, and and just how important that has been to so so many people. So thank you, my friend. Right. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. And yeah. thanks for sharing a little bit. You got, you got any final thoughts for, before we knock off here? I mean, you know, I didn't really prepare a whole lot for this. I just, you know, in, in this, if this Jason ever hears us, I, I really appreciate what you've done for, for me and my family and working for a company that does this. I mean, what company does this? Yeah. Right. And, uh, I, I just, I'm so blessed to have been part of that. So uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you bet, man. It's been a joy. Mike, thanks for hanging out with us today and for giving us some color commentary over there. Thanks for the invite. And, uh, yeah. And folks, listen, if there's anything we can do to help you get started on your cultural journey, please contact us. We are all about having those conversations. And again, Stephen, Mike, thanks for being with us today on the Lippert Leadership Academy Built to Lead podcast. Folks, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Hey, Steve, it's Dennis. Work hard, play hard, man. We've done a lot of both over the last decade. Um, it's been awesome. To me, what sticks out the most, though, is just when I first interviewed here, the vision you threw out there for the growth and the culture here was just, it was spot on. You know, I had a two-year-old, a brand new baby in a great situation going, um, and you sold me to, to, to leave that and, and go into the RV world. And I don't regret it a bit. Just, just the culture and the growth has been amazing and uh, you've been such a huge part of that. I thank you for your leadership, uh, your mentoring, and just and just driving the culture to get us where we're at. So I'm um, excited for you to, to, to get to do something new and fun and ho hope to catch you on later. Thanks. This is Eric Nielsen from Plant 45. The one thing I remember about Jenkins is when I was looking at the company, I was doing a tour through Plant 85 and he uh, 
noticed in a hopper that there was some mixed material and um, <laughs> had the forklift driver go to the hopper and dump the hopper and sort all of the mixed material out. So that was uh, <laughs> my first my first impactful memory of uh, Steve. Steve Jenkins. Hey man, you were like the kindest, big-hearted, big-hearted dude that I know. Do you know that you've inspired most all Lippert team members in the company? You have, dude. You go 100% in on anything that you do. If you're asked to do this plant, you do it. If you're asked to take this, you do it. Safety, you do it 100%. All in. You are extremely reliable and consistent. And some of the legacy items that you have is material is king and reverse sales. Holy cow, everybody knows what that is. I've always said that you're the only Democrat that I would vote for for president. <laughs> and the reason why is you have an uncanny ability to get the word out and convince people that this is the way that we're going. We're going this way. So that's a, that's a hell of a talent. I'm really looking forward to see what you get into next. You may think that you are finally rid of me, but I will continue to stalk you on Long Lake. <laughs> Love you, brother. I believe I might be the only person to get hired by Steve three different times. First time was by Ben Shockey and Steve in 2011, and the two times after that were when I was between plants. Steve knows how to create followers and people, which is the only true sign of leadership people would go to all depths to satisfy him because they knew that he would do the same for them if necessary. I've been blessed to know Steve on both the personal and professional level and have benefited from his compassion and his leadership. Steve's attention to family, life outside of work, going to lacrosse games at Notre Dame and his humility are things that I'll always hold close. I can only hope that I can benefit the next generation of Lippert leaders in the way that Steve has cared for me. Steve, like many others, you have had a huge impact on my career here at Lippert. You not only hired me in, but also were the first person to give me a true leadership position as your lean director. I remember how honored and humbled I felt to work alongside such fundamental and influential members of this company. I will never forget traveling with you, Jeff and Mike, especially the time you gave the rude bartender the customer service revolution book and told him that you thought he needed to read it. <laughs> we certainly lived out the motto of working hard and playing hard. Working hard is definitely something you became known for throughout your career. Not only taking on any challenge, but knocking those challenges out of the park. Whether it was bringing the Lippert culture to outside facilities, working with acquisitions, lean, safety, culture, whatever it was, you always crushed it. Despite this accomplished and reliable reputation you've earned, which I'm sure was not easy, your kindness, compassion, and loyalty to your people is what truly shines through about you. We appreciate the role you played in making this company what it is today, but we love you for the role you played in our individual lives. You continually see the best in each and every one of us and then work tirelessly coaching us and developing us into leaders that not even ourselves thought we could be. You have set a great standard for what a true leader looks like here at Lippert, and now you will leave a model legacy for us to once again mimic with our own lives. One exhibiting a multitude of accomplishments, but more importantly, rooted in the positive impacts you have made in so many people's lives. You have played an integral role in making me and other leaders the people and the leaders that we are today. Thank you for everything you've done for all of us, Steve. We will miss you and your Sasquatch-sized heart. 
Steve Jenkins, this is Amber Selgin. Thank you so much for who you are and everything that you have brought to Lippert and to my own journey in this amazing place. I have two specific stories that stand out to me, one of which was one of our first times together. You took me to lunch at this random little taco shack in Goshen and told me the ropes about where we've been, what we do, how we do what we do, and then most importantly, that you would be by my side and that you would fight with me and for me, and that has meant so much to my journey here. And then secondly, I remember sitting in one of our executive meetings and we're talking about, you know, what's going to happen if the market goes down and how will we handle it? And then I just remember, you know, out of nowhere amid everybody else's sort of negative perspectives and thinking about the bad side, you stood up and you said, listen, we're going to put our kilts on and our war paint and we're going to turn up because that's what we do. We're fighters. We're lippers. We're a force for good in this world. And just that courage and boldness and confidence in who we are and what we have to bring our people and this world around it has continued to burn deep in my heart. So thank you for who you are. Thank you for your mentorship. Now continue to be a force for good in the world and continue to love on, inspire, and support everybody around you. Enjoy retirement. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lippert Components Incorporated. Through our Lippert Leadership, uh, uh, Lippert, uh, Leadership Academy, I'm going to go ahead and push the pause on that. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. two. <laughs> Gather yourself. Kelly warned us. Start from the beginning. There you go. <clears throat> I'm surprised we got this far. Through. I know, right? For real. So again, if if there's anything that we can ever do for you to get to. <laughs> <laughs>